Have you ever woken up feeling extremely groggy or feeling like deaf for no apparent reason? It's not like you went to an all-night rave the night before, or did you? This might be due to your chronotype. What is a chronotype? Let's first define some terms and build up to what a chronotype is. All humans have internally built-in genetically dictated biological clocks which are made up of specific molecules that dictates the timing of our circadian rhythm, both how long the rhythms are and their timing. Circadian rhythms are physical, mental, and behavioral changes that follow a daily cycle. In Latin, the root circa means around or approximately, and diem means day. These rhythms are mostly known as related to the sleep-wake cycle, but it also encompasses hormone production, body temperature, cell regeneration, brain reactivity, etc. There has been debates about how long our internal clocks are, but a rigorous study by Zeisler and team at Harvard has found that the range for normal, healthy adults of all ages to be around 24 hours and 11 minutes, plus or minus 16 minutes. They found that no matter what the people in the study did during the day and what they went when they went to bed and woke up, their body temperature and hormones rose and fell on an average of 24 hours and 11 minute cycle. However, despite us all having biological clocks and circadian rhythm that is roughly 24 hours in its cycle, turns out that not all of our internal clocks are aligned perfectly to the sunrise, sunset times, or our work school schedules, and can impact when you sleep or wake up, and relatedly, when you are alert versus groggy. Which brings us to chronotypes. Our chronotype is our innate tendency to sleep at a particular time during a 24-hour period. Chronotype is made out of the root chron from the Greek word chronos, meaning time. There are three main chronotypes. The first is the morning type or larks. These are the people who say, naturally go to bed around 9 p.m. and wake up around 5 a.m. Just to know, we're not counting parents of infants or anyone else who are chronically sleep-deprived and pass the fuck out by 8 p.m. 30% of the population are morning types. One way to determine if you are this type is to determine your midpoint of sleep. For larks, their midpoint of sleep is, occurs before 3.30 a.m., The second type is the evening types, or owls. These are those who naturally go to bed around 1 a.m. or later, and wake up at 9 a.m. or later. 30% of the population are evening types. What sucks for the evening type is that a lot of them think that they have insomnia. They can't seem to fall asleep around a time that they set for themselves, like 10 p.m., but this is because their genetic makeup doesn't allow them to. The midpoint of people who are owls are around 5.30 a.m. or more, so it can be any time 5.30 a.m. onwards. Now the third type is the middle or third birds. This term is coined by Daniel Pink in his book, When, The Scientific Secrets of Perfect Timing. It's a great book, by the way, I highly recommend. And this is basically the rest of us who are not extreme morning types, larks, or extreme evening types, owls. This is the majority of us at 40%, and I'm one of them... You can find out what type you are using, uh, what type you are using some online assessment for what your chronotype is. Um, I'll kind of talk to you about a different um, assessment um, at the end of the podcast today.
Now, for the not so great news is that each of us are hardwired or genetically predisposed to a certain chronotype. Basically, you can try all you want to become a certain type, but science is showing that there's literally a gene that determines your type and you cannot change much, maybe 30 minutes max. The negative implication of this is that with the way our general society is structured, it seems to favor morning types and the third birds, which makes the evening types really suffer. Why? Because the quantity of your sleep is not the same as the quality of your sleep. Let's say you're an evening type that would naturally get sleepy around 2 a.m. and wake up around 10 a.m. But the next day, there's a special meeting that requires you to wake up at 8 a.m. instead. So you only lost two hours or 25% of your sleep, assuming an eight-hour sleep, right? Well, unfortunately, your brain doesn't work this way. Your brain goes through 90-minute cycles of deep versus REM sleep, which serves different but both necessary health-maintaining purposes which are like things like blood pressure, heart rate variability, emotional health, for example. The nuance comes in that the first half of the night, you have a higher proportion of deep to REM sleep, so more deep sleep, less REM sleep, and the second half of the night, you have a higher proportion of REM to deep sleep, so more REM sleep, less deep sleep. So because of this, and because you woke up earlier, you may actually be losing 80% of REM sleep compared to 25% of the two hours loss. So what sucks is that when you lose REM sleep, it majorly impacts your emotional health. People who don't get enough REM sleep tend to have depression and anxiety. Now note that REM sleep also has physical health benefits, and we know now that there shouldn't be any distinction really between physical, emotional, and mental health anyway. They all interrelate. And generally, when people do not sleep or wait according to their chronotype, it has other impacts on their cardiometabolic output, blood glucose levels, propensity for obesity, amongst other health effects. It even makes your telomere shorter, which has implications for early aging. So if possible, it is highly advised for your health and well-being to try to sleep, wake, live, work according to your chronotype. For a poignant um, and sad, but also cute story of lovers with different chronotypes. Check out the Modern Love essay and podcast called The Night Girl Finds a Day Boy. It's basically about a girl with a, I forgot what it's called, but something like it's um, like a sleep, a chronotype disorder or a circadian rhythm disorder where she literally cannot be awake during the day and she's only awake at night, but she meets a, a guy who is um, more like a third bird or a lark and they only have some overlap um, in the dusk or dawn time. Otherwise, they spend pretty much day and night lives differently. But there are Zeitgerbers, if I am pronouncing that right. <laughs> it's a German term meaning time giver, but also used to label the external and ex environmental cues that can slightly impact our internal clocks. Two main things are light and temperature. Let's talk about light. Think about our evolutionary ancestors for a moment. We humans evolved to be active while outside in the sun and to rest when it's dark. So we have systems built in us that are very sensitive to light and light exposure, and thus optimal light exposure plays a role in our sleep-wake cycle. And note that human ancestors evolved in Africa around the tropics, and the tropics usually have a very consistent sunrise at 6 a.m. and setting at 6 p.m. sunlight cycle.
When people are exposed to sunlight or very bright artificial light in the morning, their nocturnal melatonin production occurs sooner and they enter into sleep more easily at night, writes M. Nathaniel Mead, an educator and writer on health. Melatonin is one of the hormones that makes us sleepy as it rises at night. It has a delayed production whereby you have to get light in the morning for melatonin to be released at night, and it stops production when there is bright light during the night. So what you can do is to get light in your eyes in the morning, ideally before noon, meaning you just have to walk around outside without sunglasses. The longer the sun ex sunlight exposure, the better, although two to 10 minute, minutes is the minimum and not through a window because it's um, 10 times weaker, the light coming through. Even when it's cloudy, that's usually sufficient. But just to repeat that, the longer and more sunlight exposure is always better. Getting light in your eyes around the time you wake up is important for all chronotypes. And this is especially even more important now for those of us in the extreme northern hemisphere as the sun is rising later and setting earlier, and obviously the opposite for the extreme southern hemisphere. A separate but related issue is due to the light changes and potential light exposure change, it can also have an impact on your mood due to hormone levels, which may lead to SAD or seasonal affective disorder. Now onto the opposite or the negative effects of light. The more you expose yourself to electric light from sunset to bedtime, the more you're pushing yourself to a later sleepiness time. When you look at your phone or watch Netflix before bed, that also exposes you to a thousand lux and can mess up your circadian rhythm. Remember earlier regarding the bright light stopping melatonin? That's why you're not getting sleepy with lots of light exposure in the evening or right before bed. So the recommendation is to stop phone screens rolling at least one hour before bed, dim all your lights, or turn on your phone nightlight function, download Flux for your laptop, which basically changes your screens to more like a yellow or darker light, and get blue light glasses or blockers. Ideally, it would be dim the um, light in the evening, not just the one hour before bed. Another thing to know is that it's not actually the color of the light per se that's the problem, it's the brightness of the light. As night approaches, retinal sensitivity goes up, which means it doesn't take much light at night to reset and disrupt the internal circadian clocks of our brain and body, writes Dr. Andrew Huberman, professor of neuroscience at Stanford. So he doesn't necessarily recommend blue light blockers, but if you like them and feel they help you, go for it, he says. Additionally, you want to sleep in as total darkness as possible. So if there's still light coming from outside your window or from all the electronics plugged in your bedroom, they can also disrupt your proper hormone production and affect sleep quality or overall health. Get blackout curtains and minimize or eliminate the number of electronic blinking, visible light in your room as much as possible. But don't despair your sleep cycle has been off or you can't get outside to get enough sunlight. We can help our biological clocks get back on track with time exposure to bright light as mentioned before. Don't forget to drink water, get sunlight, because you're basically a houseplant with more complicated emotions. Temperature. Your core body temperature usually drops 0.56 to 1.12 degrees Celsius, or more simply, 1 to 2 degrees Fahrenheit as you sleep. When your core body temperature is lower, not only do you end up going to sleep earlier, the amount of deep sleep also increases, no matter your chronotype. So what can you do to encourage this? 
You can take a hot bath or shower or sauna before sleep. Okay, this might be confusing because we literally just said your temperature should lower. The key point for you to know is that there's a difference between your core versus your, your peripheral body temperatures. When you take a hot shower, blood goes to the surface of your skin and places like your hands and feet, and they actually dissipate heat, which makes your core body temperature plummet. Don't exercise too close to your bedtime because your core body temperature goes up. Make sure your ambient temperature is optimized for sleep. Use sleep pads that help generate your or your sleep partner's temperature. Ideal ambient sleep temperatures are the following. For babies and kids, it's 65 to 70 degrees Fahrenheit or 18 to 21 degrees Celsius. For adults, it's 60 to 67 degrees Fahrenheit and 15 to 19 degrees Celsius. For seniors, it's 66 to 70 degrees Fahrenheit or 19 to 21 degrees Celsius. Some final tips. Other tips and insights from Dr. Matt Walker, sleep researcher, the director of the Center for Human Sleep Science and professor of neuroscience and psychology of UC Berkeley. Caffeine is in your system for longer than you think. Turns out that the core life of caffeine is 12 hours how long it takes for a caffeine to break down to one fourth its original strength. So you drink a coffee at noon. At midnight, a quarter of that caffeine is still in your brain. It can also take 24 to 6 hours for it to completely leave your system. He recommends avoiding caffeine after 1 p.m. Hashtag crying inside as a tea lover. Sleeping pills and alcohol don't actually help you sleep. They don't actually put you into true sleep states. It just makes you unconscious or knocks out your cortex. Basically, you are sedated and not asleep, and thus you're not reaping the benefits of true sleep, where your brain and other systems get repaired. You may need to get a divorce, a sleep divorce with your partner. Because the sleep trumps everything, Dr. Walker recommends insomniacs who sleep in separate beds from their partners. The not-so-secret secret to sleep is regularity. If there's one piece of advice I would give anyone is regularity. If it is the weekend or weekday, even if you had a bad night of sleep, wake up at the same time. Not gonna lie, my dad, Dr. Somkit, has been dictating this all my life, and now that I'm getting older, I am seeing his wisdom. So thanks, Dad. The last one isn't directly from Dr. Walker, but he's mentioned it in some form. Let's create a more chronotype-inclusive work-life environment and no more sleep-shaming. As we just learned, chronotypes are genetically determined and pretty much impossible to change. So let's stop judging people who sleep in later and go to bed later and allow for work hours that are inclusive for different chronotypes. Today's action is a comprehensive checklist to optimize your sleep. Are you getting light of at least 1,000 lux exposure for at least two, minimum 2 to 10 minutes in the morning, ideally 30 minutes without sunglasses, either with bright sunlight or light therapy lamp? And if not, what will you do differently? Do you stop consuming caffeine by 1 p.m.? If not, try this and see if you sleep better. And if you say you crash during the afternoon, try a power nap, no more than 30 minutes. Try tea instead of coffee, 
because it has slower release of caffeine, so you don't get that um, up and down crash with uh, the caffeine with coffee, but a slow release with tea. Watch what you're eating for lunch and go take a walk when you know you are likely to feel the crash. Are you dimming your ambient lighting in the evenings? If not, start dimming your home light right after dinner. Do you use flux on your laptop or phone? Or do you have a laptop and phone set up to automatically turn on the night screen mode features? Less blue light, darker screens. If not, do this now. Or at least manually dim the brightness of everything you're using to the darkest it can be. Do you stop looking at your laptop or phone screen at least one hour before your bedtime? If not, what can you do to make this happen? If you're not doing the two points above, do you own blue light block blockers and glasses? If not, you can try it out, but this is optional. But if you do use it, use it in the evening, not all day during the day. Are you doing rigorous exercise within two to three hours of your bedtime? If so, don't. Are you taking a hot shower, bath, or sauna before bed? If not, try it out. Do you regularly go to bed and wake up at the same time every day? If not, try a few weekends of having the exact same sleep schedule as your weekday during the weekends. Unless you're sleep deprived during the week, at least aim for the same bedtime on the weekend and see how you feel the following Monday. Are you using alcohol or sleeping pills to help you fall asleep? If so, stop. Unless you have a legit medical condition and your doctor has prescribed sleeping pills, but always ask your doctor about a trade-off. Just because they're your whatever doctor doesn't mean they know the latest research on sleep or the full impact of how the sleeping pill may have on other side effects on you and your brain. Do you have blackout curtains or really good eye masks? If not, get them. Do you have electric blinking, visible light in your room? If yes, eliminate them or try to get rid of as many as possible. Even if you are asleep, your body can still sense light. Is your sleeping partner waking you up at night? It seems like a societal taboo to sleep separately, but sleep has such important functions for our health, well-being, and how we treat this partner or, or our children, friends, colleagues, etc. during our waking hours that it may be worth it to have good night sleep separately. Finally, you can do a chronotype assessment to figure out what type you are. But instead of doing this, you can also try to wake up with, with an alarm clock, uh, without an alarm clock, and go to bed when you are sleepy. After you do all the points of, um, that I mentioned before, to see what your actual sleeping wake, natural sleep wake cycle is. Note that this may be hard to do during the work periods, but you may want to experiment during vacation because you may need a few days to figure out your cycle. I'm going to mention three chronotype assessment, but I only recommend really the first one to do. The first is called the MEQ, the Morning Eveningness Questionnaire. This one is easy to use, straightforward, to spit you um, out something right away. However, it does have limitations. So like hardcore scientific researchers use uh, another one called the Munich Chronotype Questionnaire or MCTQ. Um, in my newsletter, I go into more detail of why this is um, not ideal, but just know that you have to do your own calculation. It's like a big gong show to do it. I didn't even do this one, but it's more um, accurate, apparently. 
but the like a, the um, high level way to figure out what type you are is look at the time you wake up. I'm just gonna read this directly from um, Jordan Hamburger's show notes with Daniel Pink from his book When. So they say, what time do you wake up? What we are doing here is identify your midpoint of sleep on a free day. So you went to sleep at 11 p.m. and woke up at 7 a.m. Your midpoint of sleep would be 3 a.m. Daniel talks about what we know. If your midpoint of sleep is 3.30 a.m. or earlier, you're probably a lark or a morning person. If your midpoint of sleep is after 5.30 a.m., you're probably an owl. If your midpoint of sleep is between 3.30 and 5.30 a.m., you're probably a third bird in the middle. The last one is called the Power of When Chronotype Quiz. This is by a quote-unquote sleep doctor guy. I mean, he's a real doctor, and he brand himself as sleep doctor. But this one I don't fully recommend because, well, the reason I like it, because I've done it, is that it gives you an animal type, like you're a lion, dolphin, bear, or wolf, and I'm a bear. The reason I hate it is that he seems to be confounding chronotype with personality types. And I'll be honest, I haven't looked thoroughly into the research on this, if there's a correlation between chronotypes and personality. This smells and screams pseudoscience to me, so I recommend against just looking at, you can look at it as in terms of the sleep-wake cycle, but don't take the personality part too seriously. So what are you committed to doing to help your sleep and health? Share with me or your sleep partner. Until next time, Transcenders. If you found this podcast useful, please consider forming it to someone who may get value out of it. Um, and I would love to hear from you as usual. If this was um, good for you, if this was like something you want to hear about, write me at pylin at drpylin.com. That's P-Y-L-I-N at D-R-P-Y-L-N.com. Thanks again.